And now, ladies and gentlemen, Mindful Mondays with Dr. Corliss Bennett here on the Intentional Talk Radio Network. Nice. I get a smooth introduction. That reminds me of KACE in Los Angeles when uh, he would always have that smooth introduction. Thank you, Brother Kenny. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing, darling? I'm good. I'm good. I, I, I slept in a little bit. I was just so exhausted. Sometimes you just go and go. And I really didn't do much. Yesterday was the frat games uh, here in Los Angeles. First of all, welcome to Mindful Mondays. This is Dr. Corliss Bennett, and I am here with you uh, for another wonderful hour of love and self-love, self-care, resilience, and so forth. Now, I will say, um, I was at the frat games yesterday, and even though it wasn't as hot and I was under a tent, I think just me sitting there and the excitement of seeing people, real people, without being in this little green rectangle that I'm in right now of what we call Zoom, right? The Zoom world. And it was just so nice. I had my mask on and I was like, you know, I'm only hugging folks that have been vaccinated. But it was just, I don't know. It's something, I don't know. I feel like, I'm, I mean, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say this. So I don't want to um, make people think I'm making light of it. But I, I, I've been in my own prison. You know, some of us have been in our own prison at home and not being able to do stuff because of COVID and now the new Delta virus, a variant, excuse me. And so when you get outside and you, even though I go outside to the store and stuff, that's one thing, but to get outside and be around your people, people, you know, people you recognize, it was just, it just, it just touched my heart. And I don't know, I, I, I guess just that energy of just watching people, because I wasn't out in the crowd. I stayed underneath the tent where we were selling like burgers, the, the fraternity, the sorority burger and the fraternity hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> I didn't come up with that. I don't know. You know. I'm just like, really, y'all? The sorority burger and the fraternity dog. How apropos. Huh? <laughs> like, yeah. But it was good, though, because last week I was teasing them and I was like, oh, where's my chili? Where's the chili? I need my chili and my cheese. They're like, oh, we don't have no chili. They had chili yesterday. I was so pumped. Oh, my God. Yeah, but- I said, okay, now you need to add hot links, and it's really going to be on. Yeah, there's that human connection that we miss, that absolute human connection, being able to get out there. Yeah, it's and it's and, and it's, it's about to get worse before it gets better, unfortunately. And if you are a social butterfly since the age of 13 months, 13, 14 months, then it's really bad. It just, I don't know. I just I never thought that seeing people would be so, I don't know, so emotional for me. I just, I mean, I wasn't crying, but I was quiet. And I just watched the people and they were dancing. You know, then a song comes on, you know, there's 50 minutes, 50 minutes, uh, 50 million slides, you know, you know, now it's a so-and-so slide and then the cha-cha slide. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I'm watching mm-hmm. that, come on, come on out. I'm like, no, I'm cool. Because I didn't want to be in the crowd piece. So I kind of be over on the side and I kind of do it where I was, you know. But um, it, it's it's really something to say about that feeling, feeling so trapped in and then being able to come outside and play. You know, it's like being on punishment and now you can go outside and play. That's how I, that's how I felt. And I think I was, that's how a lot of us feel because it's it's been a year and a half, almost two years now. It yeah, is literally no, almost really. two years now. Yeah, You're right. You're right. Well, let me go ahead and start the show with our... With our sponsor, uh, Right Time Rooter. Today's episode is brought to you by Right Right Time Rooter and Plumbing Services. Right Time is a family-owned plumbing company with more of more than thirty years of experience, providing quality work at a re- at reasonable prices. It's Right Time's guarantee. 
if you are in the Los Angeles area and need repairs now or are considering a future project, get in touch with the team at rightimerooter.com or by calling 310-482-7334. Again, that's rightimerooter.com or 310-482-7334. Remember, there's never a wrong time to call right time. I love it. My people on top of the game with that. That was it. That was beautiful. So anyway, yes, it is, it is, um, it is, it is, I want to say a shout out to my listeners because they have really, they've been texting me. They've been calling me talking about the different guests and how each of the guests have have given them something to take home with them. Um, especially when we had the seven steps with, um, my soror, uh, 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 Sora Dorsey and how we went through the seven steps for getting through a pandemic and seven steps just in general for, you know, relieving stress, you know, saying no, exercising and all that. And we've had some really great guests, got a lot of feedback last week. Oh, it's so funny, Kenny, because I know when it hits you, you actually come in and show your face. I need y'all to understand Kenny has a backdrop and he never shows his face, but this is the second time when we've had some a show where he came in and was just like, okay, I'm in this conversation. And when you came in last week with Lisa, um, who is a, who was a former gangbanger with the Rolling Sixties, you she said something, and next thing I know, you appeared, and it was just like, okay, that was good. Kenny came on through, and then of course when we were talking about uh, lack of con- the um, how how um, our our community is not doing what we need to do to to, to get in on different financial situations and stuff. So anyway, I just wanted to put that out there for the first five minutes as I watch my clock. So today, y'all, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Today, again, and I know people beat me up. I thought I was special. Yes, you are special. You really are. But another special guest today. Um, This young lady uh, it's really interesting because, and I don't know if people who are listening who don't know me uh, or have figured out that I'm a very caring, loving, nurturing type person. I work in higher education. I am a college administrator. I worked at the University of Southern California, fight on, um, right? <laughs> and I worked there for 20 years. In the latter 17 years, I was the director of our Black Cultural Center. So in essence, I was there to ensure that not only to help admissions admit our Black students, but to make sure they, that, that they were comfortable, make sure they were taken care of so that they would stay. Again, that's that retention effort to then graduate them. And so I have 20 years of at least, oh my God, 1,500 Black students a year, let's just say that. The ones, let's say I served, I I would say a good half that really use that office every year. So you figure 750, if that math is right, every year for 20 years, plus the ones that just came in once and I helped them. And I just have this, it's just... It's just in me, and it may be because I, I can't have kids due to my um, cancer cancer status, um, cancer survival status, but, you know, it's, it's just, I just treat them like I would want my somebody to treat my own kids, and I just, students come in crying, I'm hugging them, I'm like nurturing them, let's walk over to the career center, I'm sorry, the counseling center, or let's take a walk outside, I'll stop what I'm doing, and so that's the kind of person I am. This young lady today, it took me I don't, two years to get your name right. I don't know why. 
her name is Asmira, right? And I would always go, as is it. What would I would say, A-Z-Z or something. Yeah, you, could, you got the R mixed up. I was, yeah, as I R, yeah, I don't know what it was. I could not get this girl's name. It took me two years. But what's really funny, I'm like this girl. Um, what's really exciting is um, at USC, there is a um, special interest floor called Somerville Place. Somerville Place is named after the first black dentist to graduate from USC. And so I was in charge of that particular floor of 32 people in an 11 story building called Floor Tower. And so each year, you know, it was my job and my staff's job to make sure that, um, um, you know, students would we fill the floor. And so I made this phone call to her. Um, I think we were on the phone, what, an hour and a half easy? Yeah, it was easily. <laughs> so as Mira, as I now can pronounce it for some reason and couldn't, you know, <laughs> 15, 10 years ago, whatever. Um, um, she's from Hawaii and we, and she's behind us. So like two hours behind in, um, in Hawaii, you're on the East coast now, but three hours behind Pacific time. Mm-hmm. Right. So three hours behind. So anyway, we were on the phone for an hour and a half and I was, you know, trying, she wanted to know about some real place Would she feel comfortable. And we just had a complete conversation for an hour. Needless to say, she was on Somerville Place. And I said, look, you know, I see your leadership. I, I, you know, I could see her being a leader as a student, helped her to then become a resident assistant, which helped her mama not have to pay room and board for the next three years, correct? That's right. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, her mama's like, oh, love Corliss. She saved me, you know, she saved me like Geico, you know, saved me some money, right? (laughs) So I am so proud of this young lady. And one of the things that happened, that um, we were doing something. I don't know if it was the Somerville retreat or something that she did. And she started, she did a spoken word piece. And then, uh, I don't know what, do you remember what that first time? I can't even remember, but it was something that you were in. Maybe it was a BSA program, whatever it was, she bust out in like this spoken word piece. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and so after that, I was like, uh, girlfriend, I'm gonna need you to anytime. I need you to have a whole bunch of stuff ready because I'm gonna always call you on the spot. And I'm gonna need you to be in some programs. And you were like, oh, you really liked it? I'm like, yes. By the way, I want you to come to the church, remember? Yeah. I, mean, yeah, I don't know if the church was the first one, but we used to have Black Welcome Week and we would take, uh, open up, we would work with different churches so students can come there so they can see the different churches because of course USC is, is an international university. And so again, people go you know, from many faiths. And so I would try to have different churches. Um, we go a couple churches, in the, in the fall. And then we do some during black history month. And so I was like, Oh, Asmira, I want you to uh, do a spoken word piece while we're at the church. And she was like, uh, 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 and she would always have her eyes get big and shit. Okay. And then she would get up there just like that. And just boom, spit that game. I was like, <laughs> Oh girl, I got you. I got you every time. And so of course for the black graduation, I was like, you know, I, I have you on program. Right. She was like, yeah, I kind of figured you were going to do that to me. I'm like, yeah, let all the people know that you're going to be on program to send off you and your class to the future. So I, I would like to introduce to some, and I mean, introduce, what do you say? I want to, <laughs> let me introduce her. I'm sorry. I'm getting a little emotional because it's like, you know, my students are like my kids. They really are. And I really, really take care of my folks and anybody who walks in the office. That's white, black, green, polka dot. It don't matter. A student wants my help. I'm going to help them no matter uh, what race, ethnicity, sexual uh, uh, interest, whatever, I'm there. And so let me introduce 
Miss Asmira. Now, I never got your last name right, so go ahead and do that because I'm not going to do Amori Davis. Amori Davis, right. So I had to make sure and practice that for Black Pad. Asmira Amori Davis. Give it up. Woo! Now, let me tell y'all about my girl. Because, you know, when you're around people, you can see potential. And when you see potential, you want to tap into that potential and begin to make it grow. So again, I saw as a student on Somerville Place, as a freshman, I saw her potential and how she really, you know, got involved in some of our programs. So then I was like, look, you need to become an RA and this is how you do it. Bam. Then she became an RA for the next three years. Then she went on. I don't know if it's, did you, did you go right after to grad school? Uh, I went I went to, to Brazil afterwards. And then- so, so this girl has traveled the world some, right? And she's doing her thing. And then she turns around, okay? She turns around and goes to Harvard, y'all. Harvard for her master's in theological studies. I was like, you go, girl. She has her master's and she, she, she just... I'm just so, I just want you to know how I'm just, I'm getting teary-eyed. I just want you to know, if I haven't told you 50 million trillion times, I am so proud of you. And I am so, to, to know that you, I mean, you, a couple of y'all, a couple of my students have gone to Harvard. And it's just like, that is like the ultimate, like, bam, like you, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, when you can do Harvard, Princeton, you know, where all the quote, non-Black people go, there's some there, you know, five, six, seven, but I mean, to have that in your back pocket. And I know that you have a spiritual piece to you. And that's why you went um, to um, get your theological studies uh, master's. Um, She is a first generation, low income college graduate. Okay. And what she did when she was at USC, she founded a program called a black women led program called break the boxes. Can you explain to our, our listeners, what is break the boxes? Yes, thank you for that um, introduction, Corliss. And you already know how excited I am to just see you because it's been too long. Um, Break the Boxes is um, it's a, an arts education um, nonprofit, and it started off as a spoken word um, series. And it started off with a spoken word poem I wrote about capoeira, an Afro-Brazilian martial art that I've done since I was seven, um, to raise money to live in Brazil for um, an extended period of time to study abroad in Brazil. So um, Break the Boxes started as a spoken word poem. And then basically after the killing of uh, Mike Brown, a lot of students on campus were feeling helpless. Um, I know I myself was. And I asked myself first, um, what does freedom look like to you? And Corliss, you, of course, you invited me to share that poem on freedom for MLK Day at Bovard Auditorium. And thereafter, I asked other people, what does freedom look like to you? And we all, we made a visual. Um, I created a visual with Hunter Bermudez, a USC alum. Um, And that kind of spawned this larger question around what does it mean for us to shatter harmful beliefs about Black, Indigenous, queer people of color, um, to shatter expectations and stereotypes and assumptions about what we are what we are capable of? And I know for me, as a proud first-generation low-income college graduate, um, breaking the boxes has taken on a whole new set of meaning for me, even after leaving USC, 
and then living in Brazil, doing a Fulbright, and then coming to Harvard, and then going to Palestine, where I was oh like, God, hey, girl. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> so it's, it's, wow. it's continued to kind of unfold and reveal itself to me as um, a life mission to just break the boxes of expectation and stereotypes about where people like me come from and can go. Right. I forgot that you went to Palestine. Oh my God, that that must have been an incredible trip. It was it was life changing and life affirming. Um, you know, I'm a person of faith, and you know, growing up as someone who decided to be baptized into non-denominational Christianity when I was a junior in high school. I'm sorry, a senior in high school. I've always, um, even growing up though, learned and heard about Bethlehem and Nazareth and Jerusalem and these places in the Bible. And uh, my first time in Palestine, I was there and I, I got to visit Bethlehem and Jerusalem and Nazareth and these Holy Land spaces. And um, so I got to fulfill that childhood dream, but also have a whole new set of questions about justice and equity and liberation. Um, and to this day, it's something I'm continuing to grapple with, but also I see my my life's work as being intimately tied to. I can't believe in justice and liberation for all unless it really is borderless and yeah. it really is, you know, um, decolonial. Um, and um, and so that trip changed a lot for me. God, they say God will give you more than you could ask or imagine. And I did not come to Harvard thinking I would ever have a chance to go to Palestine, right. let alone have family that I would meet there or anything of like that. So it's been wait wild. wait wait wait. You met family there? Wait, my mom's back. yeah. So my oh, you mean your mom? I thought you meant you saw somebody that you guys were you you know related and y'all met there. No, you well me. we're kind of related. I mean, my mom's father was an immigrant from Palestine. Um, oh, and so wow. I had never met him, but I heard stories of him growing up. And oh, wow. anyway, she's the youngest of three. So for me, again, it was like, I'm here in this. What? Oh, my <laughs> like, Maybe- my eyes are watering. I, I don't know what I would do if I would to visit, you know, Bethlehem and I, just standing there. I mean, I'm just from you telling the story, like I can feel my heart pattern, you know, pitter pattering, like, that, I wouldn't even know what to do. I would think I would just stand there and look because I'd be like, I cannot believe I am here. And I know that's how you right. felt. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I, it was a lot of, I can't believe I'm here. And now what? <laughs> right. You know? um, now what? And um, and it's something that is, you know, I, I I just saw such resilience and brilliance and just continual just strength fortitude like a a, a groundedness that um that doesn't come from the outside world or external accomplishments it just really comes from knowing who you are so breaking the boxes is 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 coming at it from all these different angles (laughs) you wow and and so wow <laughs> i forgot about the fulbright fulbright you guys if anybody knows that is a, definitely an honor for students who graduate from college um i don't i don't even remember what the qualifications are but that's when you went to um um brazil yeah to yeah. the fulbright now so okay so with the fulbright when you get that honor to go are you utilizing your major meaning your theological studies 
to do something there? Like, how does t- t- tell us how that works? Because I, I never, unfortunately, never really looked it up to know what is what exactly you do. I just know it's a high honor for yeah. a graduating student to have get a Fulbright. Tell us yes. a little bit. About yes. That. So with Fulbright, um, as a graduating senior from USC. Um, I had the option to either apply for what's called a Fulbright English teaching assistantship, mm-hmm. where I would be, I would say, hey, I want to go to any country you send me to, and I want to teach English. So oh, I'm wow. leaving it up to you to place me in any country that needs English literacy, and I'll go and I'll stay there for an extended time. Um, so you, you can select the ETA, or you can select um, a research project. Um, And the Fulbright Research um, Fellowship requires that you write a statement of purpose selecting why you have to be in this specific region in the world and nowhere else to, to, um, how do you say, to um, draw out and to complete, to execute your research project. So you have to explain what your research project is and you have to secure letters of recommendation at the visiting host institutions, so from professors who are in Brazil who are doing work that intersect with your work to prove and to talk about why this is important. And so for me, having studied um, visual and performing arts, uh, critical studies from the School of Dramatic Arts at USC, um, alongside social sciences and psychology from Dornsife, um, getting those two interdisciplinary degrees, I um, saw Break the Boxes as, um, as sort of an extension of this project. So the project I submitted was called Capoetics, Explores Capoeira and Poetry, namely the power, the healing power of movement yes. and word yes. through these yes. two mediums. And, um, and so I lived in Salvador for 10 months and, wow. uh, and just continued to, to write and to heal the inner child and to be connected to a really beautiful um, set of women, Black women, Black Brazilian women who are doing a lot of movement work. And, um, and that's sort of provided the foundation for what I would study um, at Harvard in terms of matters of the spirit, matters, questions of liberation, questions of belonging, of identity, of wholeness, who's worthy of being made whole. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, wow. Oh, girl, you got me deep over here. Woo. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm just like, wow, that is so exciting to be able to go to another country, work with a professor on what you want to talk about. You know, it's not like they selected it. You found, you were able to find, or I guess the professors find you once you turn in the, the application. Is that how that works? It's very self-initiative driven. So I had to seek out um, the professors. So study, like kind of understand what they're studying and connect with anyone who could connect me to them to say, hey, this is what I'm thinking. Is this something that you have time, space and capacity for? You had to do all of that and then include that in the application to do this Fulbright. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And so, um, so you were able to find, and what school was it? What um, It was the Federal University of Bahia, um, and it was their Corda Bahia department. So it was um, like their sociology and gender studies department. Okay. Um, yeah. And um, I will say USC was very helpful with that because I was able to, the USC Academic and Fellowships Office 
kind of really provided so much guidance and um, insight in the process and connected me with a USC alum who had happened to be connected to, it just so happened, God just or, ordained it in that way that this person happened to work with the mestra, the professor who I would end up working with. She was like, she does exactly what you're trying to do. And so she connected me with her. And that was really, um, I think, what set it off. All I can say, I'm just going to put this out there. SC is about the University of Serious Connection. That's what USC stands for. And I'm just going to put that out there. Y'all can, y'all other folks on on the Westwood front, y'all can talk whatever you want to talk. But USC is no joke. Uh, (laughs) You hear the University of Spoiled Children. Yeah, we're the University of Spoiled Children because we have, because we're the University of Serious Connections. And so... (laughs) <laughs> to Mara tomorrow I hope I'm saying that but right but yeah I mean don't hate the player hate the game the USC game I'll put that out there what okay what are you thinking about so you had to do all this work with USC to find a professor that would th- that looks at black women and capoeira ca- capoeira yeah capoeira Yes, that's right. Um, and that's and that's the one with the, the sticks, right? With the long sticks. Is that the one? Um, is that part of uh, it? There no. is something called a berimbau, yeah, which looks like a, people think it's a fishing pole or like a, yeah, it's it's a stick. <laughs> it's a wood. Um, it's called a madeira. So it's, it's a. Okay, uh, I know that. I know they have official names. My bad. <laughs> I, I think I saw it. Oh, and and uh, I think you did it at, uh, at uh, Tommy Trojan once or twice or I'm something. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah, why I remember. I remember. But yes. But but the fact that you were able to find someone across the world that was studying similar to, to what you were doing, and, and I'm sure it wasn't completely similar, I mean, like, right back, but it was enough to balance that you guys could learn from each other. Absolutely. And you found yeah. this professor, and the research, and see, now this is what I'm talking about, folks, when I think about resilience. You know, we as a people, we got to stop giving up. If we have, if we have uh, uh, a dream, a hope, or desire, you have got to keep, no matter what, because the haters are going to hate. And when, and when you have an opportunity, this woman went through all of this to get a Fulbright, and the Fulbright was free, correct? When you went, was it free, or did you have to pay for something? They, they paid me. Yeah, they paid me. I'm sorry, just say that one more time. They what? <laughs> they paid me. They yeah. paid her. Yeah. And it's so, it's so, it's so, oh my God, the, the Black students that don't take advantage of the Fulbright situation because they find out, oh, I got to go find a professor. Oh, I got to find something. Never mind. She went for free, y'all. Do you understand what that means? This is, this is so deep in the, the resilience. And you're like, nope, I want to do this. This is what I want to study. Can y'all help me? USC, SC got in there and all the connections just fell in place for you. Yeah. So, so from that experience, tell us how, you know, what did you do that was, in, that made, because, you know, my show's about empowering and resistance and self-care. Tell us a little bit about something that you learned and or created from that experience that we can take, that, that helps us to, to um, um, just helps us. You know what I'm trying to say? I'm just like, oh, I'm yeah, sorry. yeah, yeah. Something I think that I didn't know coming into my Fulbright. Um, but I left more certain about was um, my ability to really anyone's ability to put yourself outside of your comfort zone in a place where you know no one and 
you know, with your feet on the ground, with your heart in the right place, um, to see, you know, community open up to you um, over time. Uh, I think for me, it was that life doesn't have to be perfect to be beautiful because depending on how you spin it, I could say, oh, well, I got there and there was this, right? There, there, there are so many question marks and there are so many uncertainties to, to this journey of life. And I think I got there on American time, thinking things would happen the way that things happen in the U.S., which is, you know, you stick to your schedule and things happen. If someone's five minutes, you know, if, if you're five minutes early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. Right? Where, <laughs> you know, there it's really, it's really different. You know, things happen when they happen. And I had to learn to surrender to that squiggle and to, to, to really just humble myself. And, and really, I think being there made me realize how I'm, I'm, I'm one small pod in this large pond. And my, my job is not to, I'm not going to come and be the all-knowing person on this field or sub- subject or topic of capoeira at all. Never, ever. You know, that's a very U.S. or American perspective to have this, you know, that we can be experts in these things. It's like, no, my job is to, to, to offer up a small contribution to a larger ecosystem and constellation that's doing this work of trying to uplift, encourage, empower, but also provide resources to a population largely Afro-descendant who are living below the poverty line. And that's by design, that's structural. Um, And so for me, I think I wasn't aware of how privileged I was to receive an education in the U.S., knowing that the students that I was working with and teaching English and Capoeira, who I look just like, you know, um, they, they were not provided you know they they, there there wasn't a civil rights movement that happened in in Brazil's history so where I came up to be able to go to USC through the trio program the upward bound program people at boardrooms who fought and advocated for at promise students and underserved communities that need resources to be college ready Mm -hmm. I was afforded that that gift because of where I grew up right Um, but you know many aren't and so they're caught in this cycle of right of the cycle of 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 poverty but also you know um that there really is there's no linear way to towards purpose and to success you know um I think there was so much I took from from Brazil so I could ramble on but I think for me it was just the humility like wow (laughs) the world is really big and I have I have a small contribution to make and I can do that by being as honest and um, as transparent as about my process as possible, but know that I, there's so much I don't know. Right. And, and you know what, I, I, I hear what you're saying about, you know, how things happen in the U S and it is unfortunate. Well, let me, let me say this. U S we are bullies. Like as a country, we are like straight bullies. You know what I'm saying? And it's mm-hmm. sad because when I, when I hear things, and, and um, last week um, on on the in in the mix conversations with Colette and Corliss, we had two of our our guests who who were returning guests talking about the whole Bitcoin and uh, what, what's the other term? Uh, I can't think of it. Anyway, that whole Bitcoin and 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 getting involved um, because the world is kind of changing structurally towards something like that. 
um, crypto, the crypto coin. All, I'm, I'm still currency yeah. and all of that. And how, you know, our con- as blacks, we're the ones that we're the, we have the least amount of money, but we spend the most. You know, you, a mother will spend, you know, $400 for her son to have some Nikes. But when I tell her it's $50 an hour to tutor him so he can graduate, oh, that's expensive. I'm like, really? Mm. Mm-hmm. But it's like that bully mentality, like apparently something happened and then the U.S. wasn't buying it. And then once they saw that the crypto was working, then all of a sudden the U.S. jumps in and, you know, we're going to bully you into helping us get the money. And it's just like this this attitude that 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 U.S. has. And so when we travel, that's when we know how people feel about the U.S. They yeah. think everybody, even though the blacks and folks, even though there's poverty here, homelessness, they, you know, they assume that you are rich, you from Hollywood, that you have money and that everything you get is just, you know, because they watch the TV, they mm-hmm. see the videos, especially the doggone videos. They really think that everybody is rolling like that. You know, the oh, videos, yeah. <laughs> cars and the women and the, you know, the, the rapper throwing up money and stuff, right. making it, making it rain and thinking like everybody is like that. I, when I went to Ghana, it was like, oh, like this little, this little, little stud earring you know the little diamond stud earring mm-hmm. what was it a dollar three dollars four dollars at the beauty supply you know because I wanted to keep my second hole open this one is, is torn and I remember when I had them on he was like let me get those diamonds I said they're not real dude I paid like five dollars said that's okay and then here and I, so I was bartering things I just I just didn't know yeah. how much people look at the U.S. as this this dream world I mean I get it but I took him out my ear and gave it to me. He traded off for something like some sculpture I got or something, you know, from Ghana. But it was just like, I was handing stuff, almost handing things off, giving them shirts and stuff. And they were just like, they just want a piece of the U.S. pie because when you see it on TV, that's what it is. And so when you get to places like Brazil and Palestine where things are slower, like you said, it humbles your whole spirit. Like, hold up, who, who, like, wait up. <laughs> who you think you are we'll get that to you when we get that to you right Is yeah that- yeah 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 absolutely and also I remember feeling like oh I just I, I want I remember feeling a little bit I felt uncomfortable because I wanted to like I wanted to contribute I wanted to do something I wanted to like to be I wanted to like give give because I had been so used to giving I was talking about this earlier um and um and I remember my host um, teacher saying, Asmira, your job is not to, like, your job is to, to listen and to learn, like, to sit back, to listen, to learn. And, and, and I, I, I get where she was coming from, you know, in hindsight of, like, how are you going to help? How are you going to help already? Like, Americans have this idea that you're going to come to this country and you suddenly know how things work and you know how you can possibly fix an issue and I mean we can think of this in the context of the white savior complex right um, but it also applies in the context of national identity um and so that was really humbling you know and it's it's really beautiful because the relationships that I started back in 2017 when I was in Brazil are still I'm still very connected to the communities that I was a part of and um and so it's that Fulbright really has informed the trajectory of my, you know, my education and my life. I'm, you know, fluent in Portuguese now, so I'm able to translate for different movements um, and, and folks that do this work, whether it's in the music sphere um, with like a global hip hop collective or with, um, you know, just movement, movement organizers. Um, so 
I am, I'm very grateful. And USC was where it began. And I remember that conversation, you know, talking to you. I remember where I was in Hawaii on the phone with you because I saw that letter about Somerville Place. And um, yeah, and, and coming to the Center for Black Culture and Student Affairs just to print sometimes or to go on that alternative spring break trip to Alabama. I mean, all the things like you really have been a portal opener. You know, you're like, okay, up, oh, you're going to do this and you're going to do this. And I'm like, okay, you know, thank you. Yes. Like <laughs> every time you get to dive in, you learn something new and you cultivate wow. your craft too. Wow. And I, you know, and like I said, I, I'm not able to have, you know, give birth, but even though I have, you know, 50 million thousand kids, children, my kids, I always just say my, my, my kids, my, you know, my students, you know, it just, it, you know, you just, you give and you pour your heart and you just hope somebody catches on to it and you were one of those students that were like I was like oh you're going to be an RA you were like oh okay I said so I need you to take the class you know because you have to be um you have to take a class in order to be an RA at that time and I was like oh this is what you're going to do as Mira and she was like okay she just she just followed I was like look this is what you're going to do you're going to be an RA and then boom you know and it just took off from there but I, I didn't I knew the Fulbright is, is an honor and and people can look it up like how many African Americans actually get that opportunity for this free opportunity fly you out. And then, and then you said they paid you. Yeah. They, stipend they, to, to yeah. Do the research in Brazil. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's lodging, housing, lodging meals. Um, and you are with a cohort of other folks who have also received full break. So that cohort, you know, in my case, I came before my cohort so that I could come in time for grad school because I had I deferred my grad program for a year because I found out about Fulbright and Harvard like in two days on the same the same two days. So it was just it was you got accepted to Harvard and Fulbright the same time. So you March, deferred a yeah, year, fifteenth, uh, and then March sixteenth, twenty seventeen. Yeah, you guys hear the words that are coming from our from her mouth. She got accepted to Harvard and the Fulbright within a 24-hour, 48-hour. So she tells Harvard, y'all hold on for a quick second. I'm going to go do this Fulbright right quick. <laughs> and then I'll be back next fall. Wow. Wow. God, only God. Only God. Absolutely. Absolutely. Orchestrate that. Resilience. And, and, and you took the step to say, this is what I'm going to do as my contribution, in this case, to the world. Right? I mean, if you look at it, I mean, you, you, wow. So the women there in Brazil, um, tell us, tell, tell us about some of like, what are things that, that, that you learned there that we need to, as, as women here in order to just be, cause you know, it's so much going on, you know, COVID is just another layer, but just being a black woman in leadership, a black woman in general, what, what things that you discovered with your research that you can give us, like, you know, some things like, you know, do this, do this, you know, make sure you're doing this. Can, mm-hmm. you, can you give us a little something like that? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. One of the first things that struck me was how women, uh, Afro, Af- it's called Af- Af- Africanidaji, Afro-Brazilian, Afro-descendant pride is so strong there. And I think it's grown here in the U.S., of course, over the past few years. Um, I think really post-Beyonce's, you know, dropping her, uh, like, lemonade and all that. (laughs) 
but um and then of course on the heels of George Floyd but I think what I learned from women there was to really embrace everything that is African about you like mm. everything that is black about you so just I mean it's rare to see to see women with perms and stuff I mean people are wearing their curls just any which way you know um it's a very Salvador is a very um sync uh syncretic um uh spiritual space so there's a lot of practitioners of the candomblé which is an Afro-diasporic um uh tradition and practice so candomblé um recognizes different orishas so warriors of you know that are connected to mother nature and mother earth so you have Yemanja who is someone that I think many in the U.S. know about the goddess of the ocean Mm. um and I think women there are very many I don't want to you know uh, monolithize because women are come in variety and we're all so different um but culturally I think um being um open to um, the inherent div- divine that's that's inside there's a, a subtle a still small voice that um, that knows I mean when we talk about it maybe it's intuition um, that's that is particularly strengthened when you're um, when you choose to to be with nature for a moment I know you talk a lot about you know compassion and self-love on this show and I think if there's one thing that being in Brazil showed me was it really connected me back to my roots of growing up in, on an island, you know, um, spend time with nature, let it teach you. It can, there's something to be learned from everything around us if we're willing. And, um, and sometimes the mind can't make sense of things, but the body knows. That was a big thing. Your body knows. Your body is telling you different things. And I think. Um, like what? Share that. Your body will know, um, your your body knows when you're safe and when you're not. Mm. Your body knows when you can trust someone or something and when it can't. Mm -hmm. Um, Your body knows when it needs, it needs a break from technology, um, Mm -hmm. when it needs rest. Mm. Um, But our our minds, you know, that's where we can get caught up um, in comparison or pushing ourselves beyond what we really are ready to do. And, um, and I think that that's a, a product of this socialization, this like capitalism is so harmful. It's racial mm-hmm. and it's, it's racialized and it's harmful. It's your, it says your value and your worth is determined by how much productivity you can squeeze out of you. And it's like, sometimes you just need to have a day <laughs> or two and not feel guilty or bad about it. Um, And I agree with you. I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, that's why I I talk about the pandemic positive. Mm. The pandemic slowed everyone down. Sit Mm -hmm. down and do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? You know, and you know, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm on the run. Boom, boom, boom. We all want, like you said, the social socialization of how we're socialized as black women for sure you know minority mm-hmm. women you know we're already black women are on black people are on the bottom i just let just in case y'all didn't know then latino then asian then white mm-hmm. okay and any and any mix in there thereof you know that's how it rolls and so being being on the bottom we we have to take for every like two or three steps we've take taken they've already taken eight 
And so we get to try to catch up. And that's like you said, we're socialized to keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. And people are having heart attacks. People are, are getting sick because they're just going and going and going. And I look at the pandemic that this is what I call a pandemic positive. It, it stopped everything. It was like, stop everybody. Yeah. Because folks are dying and y'all need to stay at home. And I really, truly believe, like for me, for sure, I really, truly believe it. It makes you stop and think about your self-worth and think about how your body, like you said, I know when my body's tired, I have to, I have to stop, period. That's just how it goes. Um, being a survivor and, and making sure that my cancer does not come back. I have to take a steroid on Fridays and I'm bouncing off, <laughs> I'm bouncing off the walls on Fridays because I'm like, wee, right. And then Saturday afternoon, I can feel that come down piece. And when I feel that I'm like, okay, I got to stop. I got to go home. No, Portland's like, no, I've got to go. And I just leave. And yeah. you've got to like, stop because if you don't listen to your body, at least for me, I can't get sick. I can get a cold or whatever, but if I yeah. get sick, sick, like pneumonia, let's not even talk about COVID. I may not return back from that. Right. So pneumonia will do that. So, you know, COVID, I just can't, I can't have no parts of. Yeah. So that, that whole pandemic slowed the world down and it made you stop and think about what is important. And like you were saying, like you, 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 you thought you came over there, thought one way he was going to be like, yeah, I got this. I got this. And it was like, no, hold up girlfriend. No, that's right. No, you are not in America. And that is not how we do it. And so for you to survive, you had to really humble, be humble and just say, okay, you know what, let me, let me stop with these American values and ways that I've been pushed upon. And let me see what I need to learn in order for this research to work. And in order for you to be a better person, right? Yeah, I mean, even down to um, just the American privilege of being able to eat um, from an American chain if I wanted to. So there was like in the first two weeks, I remember I was getting used to like what they had at the, at the grocery store. And, um, and um, my host dad was like, you know, you Americans, if you, if you wanted to, you could go your entire trip, never connecting to the local people, like tasting the food. You could go your entire trip eating Subway. There's a Subway here, Right. You could go your entire trip speaking English because you're going to find people who have had to learn English for the tourist economy, right? Because right. That, that's how domineering and dominating the language is. Right. So it's it. So for me, it was learning what those American, what that kind of, what that was about. Like it was a lot of like, oh hey, whoa, like oh, I have my electricity on or I'm taking a shower that's over five minutes. Um, that's something we don't really think too often about. I think here, but. Being somewhere like Brazil or especially Palestine, where you only have, they only have like six hours of electricity a day. That's for water. Part again. You'll go in, like they're in, in the West Bank, they only, they're only given like six hours of electricity a day. And so when you're sharing a household and you all have to shower, you have to take like three minute showers. And also you'll go into restaurants. I went into restaurants where their electricity went out like halfway through me ordering. There's nothing anyone can do. We just wait it out and then electricity might come back on. And so we don't think about those kinds of things. We don't even fathom it. Um, and so at least I hadn't, but that's what I mean by humbling. Like, wow. I mean, it really increases your gratitude for just the basic things that, you know, that, that not everyone is really afforded. Wow. Six hours of electricity. That, that mm. is, that, you know, and again, we take so much for granted here 
in the United States. When yeah. and, and when you go to these other places and try to go off on somebody about how come this didn't work, they're looking at you like, uh, yeah. okay. Like, what did you expect? <laughs> or, or they just look at you and be like, okay, when you finish yelling at me, I can tell you what I can help you with, you know, because <laughs> you're not, you're not in, uh, you know, America. This is not how we roll out here. And so this is what I can do to help you. I'm gonna need you to sit down <laughs> and, yeah. and deal with that. So the Fulbright free and they paid you. So you did that for ten, almost a year, 10 months. Yeah. And then did I hear you say you are fluent in Portuguese? Yes. Yes, I am. And that was a surprise because I feel like the first four months I was very shy socially and still pretty shaky with my Portuguese. But over time, I got more comfortable. Um, but what was a surprise was coming to Boston I took one more Portuguese class here at Harvard, but like eight out of 10 of my Uber drivers are Brazilian. They speak Portuguese. And so there's a large Brazilian population out here. And so I have been able to stay connected to the culture, both virtually with folks back in Brazil, but also just here meeting people and constantly speaking Portuguese. So it's, it's really been a, a gift. And how did you know? You just ask them or you can look at them or, or did they you say something tell, to there's themselves? There's a certain way that Portuguese speaking, uh, you know, Brazilians, like they speak English. There's a certain, I can just tell. I can just tell by the way that they might say hello or hi or, you know, you hear a few words and you're like, oh, you kind of like elongated your, your L. So, you know. So I, you hear you are in an Uber or a Lyft and you can hear this and then you and then you bust out and say something in I'll Portuguese. say like você fala Portuguese and they'll say sim eu falo like I'm and like and then oh. they just get hyped I know they get hyped I know their eyes yeah, keep and they're, and they're like, like oh, oh você é brasileiro they're like are you Brazilian I'm like no but I lived in Brazil for a while they're like oh your wow. Portuguese is really good and I always feel so good about myself <laughs> you were always a go-getter I'm like who yeah, who does that? Like you took the time, like you, like the guy said, or the professor said, you know, you took the time to learn the people and understand the art, um, the culture. Um, so I, I know you had to find a church there. Did you? Did yeah. You oh yeah. Yeah. There are so many um, uh, Catholic. Uh, like there are so many mass ceremonies. So um, where I lived was called quite literally called Nazare, which is Portuguese for Nazareth. Oh, okay. Um, and there were many different Catholic churches. There's one, Igreja, um, Igreja dos Pretos. So it was like the black church in Pelourinho Square that I would go to sometimes. And Pelourinho Square is the historic site in, in Salvador. It's where um, 40% of the enslaved were brought during the slave trade. Um, oh, wow. That auctioneering space. Um, and oh so now if you were to go, in fact, anyone who, who learns about Salvador will not be able to learn about it without hearing about Pelotino Square. Um, so wow. there's a, a, a church there, a, a mass that happens with like Black Brazilians um, because this, the, this, the state and the, 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 yeah, the state itself and the Brazil as a country is also very, I mean, in Salvador, 20% are white, white Brazilians, 80% are Afro-Brazilians, but that 80% are living in poverty below the you know, below the poverty line. And so in terms of media, in terms of what, you know, you see on large commercial kind of stations and television, it's very, um, it's very racialized and um, segregated. So there's a lot of that po political kind of, the socio-political cultural climate is so real. <laughs> I'll just say that. Wow. 
Wow. <laughs> wow. I just, I, wow. I, yeah. For I, me, I, I left there like clear that whatever country, wherever I go, because when I was there, I, I did take some time to go to Argentina too. And I was there with um, Zaire um, Overton and, um, you know, we were there and we counted like maybe five people, five black people within the like seven days that we were in Argentina. And so for me, I think the biggest thing I left Brazil, that really began to cultivate my questions around colonialism, around like my political education began, I think there. And I learned about African-American women scholars and activists through Afro-Brazilian women. Like <laughs> I really began to do that work there. And I just decided anywhere I go, I'm curious about how the majority of Afro-descendant people are treated and living. So that goes for Palestine too. When I was there, I was like, oh, there's Afro-Palestinians. Whoa, like we don't hear or talk about them. You know, uh, what's their life like? Um, yeah. Wow. Wow. So um, as, as we've got about nine minutes left, I just um, um, wanted to see, was there any other things of, of empowerment that, that we can take back from the things that you've been talking about as far as you said something about know your body, you know, um, was very important. Your body definitely gives you messages. It gives you messages when you eat something. Your body, if, if the stomach does not agree, your body okay. will tell you. Your stomach will tell you, hey, guess what? You're about to go in here and throw up because you ate something bad. You know, so when we say listen to your body, we mean listen to your body. Also, climbing stairs and you're out of breath and it was only like five steps. Listen okay. to your body, which means you need to go and exercise, you know, That's so right. it's so many different things. So besides this, I know, I know we got on a tangent. So you said, listen to your body. And was there anything else? Yeah. Listen to your body and also, um, listen to, listen to what, I mean, it sounds cliche, but like nature is telling you, um, your, and your body is so connected to the environment, um, I think spend time, spend time, give yourself the gift of being in nature for at least 10 minutes if you can. I know. <laughs> wherever so, so, for, so for us, nature, and let's say these busy cities like Los Angeles and Boston, that would probably mean just go to a park and sit or maybe walk the beach and a just. Yeah, yep. Yeah. I'd say a park. Um, if there are, yeah, an open, open area where you can just be with some, just be. And, you know, you have the grass, you'll have some trees, you can go see the sunset somewhere in Los Angeles, you know, it's beautiful. Um, or if you can see the sunrise, just give yourself that gift of, oh, the day is beginning or the day is ending. Right. And, that, and it can only be, and it can take 10 minutes just to stop. And if you start at 10 minutes, you'll end up at 30 because your mind and body is so calm. That's um, right. Yeah, I I walk the I walk the beach because of that, and it's just you know hearing the crashing waves. Just that's nature. Like that's not something that you plug up. You know, that's you right. know, it's not like a PlayStation game. You can plug it up, and then the waves are crashing and going. It's like it's just you know taking. I think if everybody just took the time just to be, you know, just be. What's that mean? Just be, just, meaning just stay still. And just just turn off the radio, whatever. You can keep your fan on and just stop for a second and just be. You don't even have to go outside to do that, right? You and don't. I think we don't I think we don't do that enough as a people in general, not just black, but just as a people, 
And I think what has happened, like I said, COVID has made us kind of come back to that type of thing where, or COVID has made us be, because now you're sitting at home and you're trying to figure out, well, how am I going to do this? My kids, if you have kids and run into the store, whatever, if you don't, okay, now I got to teach my kids at home. Now I'm on Zoom. And so when you get off of Zoom, sometimes you're just like, and sometimes you just have to close your eyes and just be right. That's right. So, you know, you know, you know how I do. Uh, there'll be a program sometimes y'all where, where we're in, where we're, you know, a program at USC, whatever it is, it's like history month and we're having students as speakers and stuff. And if I see as mirrors pass by, I'd be like, Ooh, and I'd be, I'll wave at her. And she'd be like, you know, whoever's performance performing. I said, um, I'm gonna need you to go ahead and close this off with a, uh, with some spoken word. And she'd be like, ah. and then she go, okay. So, <laughs> so, you know, in only in Corliss fashion, we got five minutes left. I'm going to need you to close us out with some spoken, some words of some, some, some Esmira words for, for, for us to just be whatever that word is, whatever's led. I'm going to put you on the spot like I always do. And I always quote the infamous rapper, Sugar Free. If you stay ready, hey, you ain't you got, ain't to, got get to get ready. So <laughs> if you know you are, you know you're a spoken word person. You're supposed to already have a piece or three or ten in your mind, just in case somebody puts you on That's the spot. It. That's so there it, it is. That's <laughs> well, I mean, I, in honor of you and what you what you teach and what you preach, I'm like, it has to be stay ready. <laughs> you know. Um, Cause if you stay ready, ain't got to get ready so that we breeze through this life moving slow and steady yet firm and focused. Yup. Yup. You know, this we seize every moment serving scratch the surface, breaking boxes on purpose. No weapon can mark this yet abundance in surplus. So darling, keep your head up. Never let them see you sweat because darkness can't drive out darkness. Hate can't drive out hate. And in this space, you can spark is love that can liberate grace to permeate. Shout out to MLK. Yes. That if you stay ready, ain't got to get ready so that we breeze through this life moving slow and steady, yeah. firm and focused. Yup, yup, you know this. We seize every moment because if you take a look around you, what do you see? Everything they said you wouldn't, couldn't, and shouldn't be, but we break boxes to be free while cynics scoff and deceive. They said you wouldn't cheat. But you wouldn't believe all the pain they put you through. Throwing shame in your name, but can't change what God already ordained in you. So darling, keep your head up. Never let them see you sweat because darkness can't drive out darkness. Hate can't drive out hate. And in this space, he will spark his love that can liberate grace to permeate. Shout out to MLK and Malcolm X today. <laughs> yeah! Girl, wow. Oh my God. <laughs> Woo. Did you? Wow. I, okay, y'all. Okay. Audience, I'm, I'm teared up. <laughs> she took my statement slash sugar-free statement and made a complete, oh my God. Wow. I'm speechless. Okay. You're going to have to email that. I love to you, me. I love you too so much. Oh my God. You have to send that to me. I don't know. I mean, I know you came off the gong with it and added some of the, your additives and, 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 and stuff, but oh my goodness. You stay ready. You ain't got to get ready. Words to live by. How about that? Wow. 
I'm speechless. Wow. Well, I want to thank you so much. I can't believe I'm actually ending the show on time. I know Kenny's happy about this Um, because I have two minutes left and I'm ending the show on time. And I am just overwhelmed with love and gratitude for you as Mira sharing these things with us and, and letting us know that somebody from a low income area who took advantage of an upward bound program, which is a pre-college program, to be able to go to USC, to be able to get a Fulbright and go to Brazil for 10 months to turn around and be accepted to Harvard University and get your master's in theological sciences, to be able to stay in Boston and do this good work that you have been doing. All I can say from my former friend, God rest her soul, Dr. Tamil Porter, she would say, Ashe. Mm. Ashe. Thank you so much. Thank you, listeners. Keep sending those text messages to me. I really appreciate it. And hey, Kenny, it's 5.59 and I'm done. How about that? <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Okay, well, this is Dr. Corliss P. Bennett for Mindful Monday signing off on time, ladies and gentlemen. Have a good rest of your day, evening, and stay in touch. And hey, mama, that's that's a hey to Asmira's mama. Hey, mama, I know you're listening out there in um, in Hawaii, along with the relatives and the cousins and whatnot. So I want to send a shout out to Asmira's family. Take care, and we are out. Bye bye. <laughs>